Um, as she said, we're here at the Mount of Beatitudes, and um, this forms a natural amphitheater when we go to the little garden area to have some time in prayer. You'll get to see over to behind me here, going down the slope, the natural amphitheater, where it would have been very easy for Jesus to have preached to 5,000. They could hear him very easily. So in Matthew chapter 4, we're going to start there. Uh, just after Jesus has called his disciples uh, to walk alongside him, I want to begin in verse 23. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. I love that Jesus showed up. He started preaching. He started healing. Miracles followed him. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. There's nothing so great that Jesus can't heal. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Then, at this point in time, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is what we uh, know as the Sermon of the Mount. And this is where Jesus preached this famous sermon. This sermon that's probably the most famous sermon in the entire Bible. Most people were very well acquainted with the Sermon on the Mount. Happened right here where you're standing. So let's break down the Beatitudes. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is a Greek word, makarios, and it corresponds to the Hebrew asher, and it means blessed, happy, and fortunate all in one. There's really not a good English word that describes blessed. It's just kind of three words in one, so to speak. And uh, makarios is a state of existence in relationship to God in which a person is blessed from God's perspective, even when he or she doesn't feel happy, even when he or she presently isn't experiencing good fortune, in other words, things aren't going well like we want them to in life, we're still blessed. Does that make sense? So in the first and last beatitude, there's an identical phrase in the present tense giving the reason for the blessing. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to us and everything it has to offer. That's incredible. So in between, sandwiched in verses 4 through 9, in the future tense, for they will be comforted. What that means is we, we will not get the full completion of these until we're in heaven, but we will have them at least in partiality now. So he says, he begins by saying, blessed is the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means to acknowledge spiritual poverty, poverty of spirit, basically um, Christ is not talking about material poverty here. He's talking about our spiritual poverty. He's talking about acknowledging that we're helpless without God. That we absolutely need Jesus Christ. We need His help. He is What He's saying is to acknowledge our utter helplessness before God, our spiritual poverty, our spiritual need, that we are solely dependent upon God. Blessed are those who realize they're hopeless without Jesus. That's basically what he's saying. It's the opposite, the opposite of being poor in spirit is arrogance and pride. It's dependence on him. 
There's a difference in thinking that we're righteous and acknowledging that our righteousness only comes from Jesus. He imputes his righteousness to us. And so he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn means to have a broken heart and a penitent spirit. I want you to catch this. It's the strongest word possible for mourning in the Bible. It is, in fact, a deep mourning, and like the deep mourning and wailing that occurs when you lose a lost loved one. Not a lost loved one, but when you lose a loved one. When a, when a close family member or friend passes away, that deep mourning, that deep pain you feel is what he's talking about here, only not towards losing someone, but in someone that has, in, in your own sin. Have you ever been to the place where you mourned over your lack of righteousness before God, where you mourned over your sin? Because he said, blessed is those who mourn. It's a sorrow. It's a desperate, helpless sorrow, a sorrow for sin, a broken heart. Just as you're brokenhearted when your loved one dies, God says, blessed are those that are brokenhearted like that when they sin before him. Wow. He says, if you do that, you're going to be comforted. Comforted is the root, is parakaleo, which is the root word for parakletos, which is the word used for the Holy Spirit that comforts us. He says when we have a broken, repentant heart before God Almighty, that the, it's, He will comfort us like the Holy Spirit comforts us, like a comforter on a bed when it's cold. I love that. It means literally to call near for exhortation, encouragement, and comfort. He says then in verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek means to have a strong but tender and humble life, a mild-tempered and gentle spirit. It is a strong yet teachable spirit. So check this out. In ancient days, when they would work with elephants to try to build a village, when they could have an elephant knock down a tree and drag the tree where they wanted it, they would say that elephant was meek. Power under control. That's what meekness means. Do not do not mistake meekness for weakness. Meekness is total power, like an elephant, under total control. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, I am meek and lowly in heart. He wasn't saying I'm weak. He was saying I got all the power, but I'm under the control of the Father. If we are to be truly meek, we have to have the power of God inside of us, but under the total control of the Holy Spirit and where He wants us to go, and what he wants us to do, right? So meek is a person with all the emotions and ability to take and conquer, but is able to control themselves. It's the opposite of arrogance and pride. Um, meek are those who do not assert themselves over others in order to advance their own causes. It's someone who uses their power for the glory of God and not to control someone. It's a beautiful word. The meek inherit the earth now and in times to come. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That means to have a starving spirit, to famish God, to crave His presence. Are you in the place in your walk with God where you crave Him, where you're famished for His presence, where you starve for Him? It's a real hunger and starvation of the soul for God Almighty and His presence. It is the type of hunger that says, I've got to get in the prayer closet and pray and seek Him and get into His presence above all else. It is, it is 
Uh, righteousness here is two profound things. It means to be right and to do right things. It could be said another way, to do good and to do good things. In the Bible, there is no way you can separate being righteous from living righteously. If you're to be righteous, that means you're living righteously and according to this word. Uh, it, it literally means that we're starved and parched for righteousness. In the day and age in which we live in America, where people say, well, grace covers all and I can live any way I want, that is very opposite of what this right here teaches. What it's saying is, blessed are those who are starving for Him and starving to do what's right in His sight. It's not about how close to the line can I get without falling over into sin. For me, it's about how close to Jesus can I get and far away from the line. I don't have to live right. I want to live right. And I'm concerned when Christians want to get as close as they can and say, well, I'm still right with God. Blessed are those who starve to do what's right in the sight of God. The question each of us has to ask ourselves is this. How much am I seeking after righteousness? Am I seeking after righteousness at all? Am I seeking after righteousness a little? Am I seeking after righteousness some? Am I seeking after righteousness much? Or am I seeking after righteousness with all my heart and all my soul? And that's a question we have to ask ourselves. He said, blessed are those that are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Filled here means abundant life and eternal life. If we want abundant life according to what this scripture says, then we've got to hunger after righteousness. And that is a message you won't hear a lot in America anymore. Then it goes on to say, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Merciful means to have a forgiving spirit and a compassionate heart. It is forgiving those who are wrong, but it's much more. It's empathy. It's getting right inside the person and feeling right along with them. It's weeping with those who weep is what it really means here. It's a deliberate act, a deliberate effort to understand what that person is going through, feel with them, and show them mercy is what it's meaning. We show mercy, we shall receive mercy. Verse number 8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure here means to have a clean heart, to be unsoiled, unmixed, unpolluted, uh, to be cleansed, purged, forgiven. All the outward laws that the Pharisees kept could be done without keeping the, the, the purity of the most important law, and that is purity of the heart. The Pharisees kept the external stuff, but they didn't have their heart right with God. God is saying, blessed are the pure in heart unpolluted, unmixed with the world, pure towards God. This is, man, this is a beautiful passage here. A pure heart proceeds, produces rather external purity, not vice versa. We don't do outward acts to make ourselves righteous. We are righteous inside our heart, which makes us do right things. You can always tell when someone's pure in heart in the church because they want to do right. They want to be right with God. That's their heart making their outward actions uh, line up. So a pure heart describes a person whose single-minded loyalty to God has affected every area of their life. And here's the beauty of it. When our heart is pure before Him, we shall see God. When we go to the prayer closet, we shall see God. When we open the Word, we shall see God. When we go to church and worship, we shall see God. And ultimately, when we stand before Him at that eastern gate, we shall see God. Wow. Praise the Lord. Verse 9. 
It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peacemakers here means to bring men together, to make peace between men and God, to solve disputes, to erase divisions, to reconcile differences and eliminate strife. The question becomes, are we peacemakers or peacekeepers? Because a peacekeeper attempts to keep peace at any cost, and that's false peace. Well, we don't want to deal with that because we don't want to deal with the monster there. So we're just going to let our family member do whatever they want, drive the rest of us crazy. Let's just keep the peace. That's not real peace. A peacemaker, which is what the Bible's speaking about here, is inferred in the, in the word which means to make do or express action to bring peace. What does that mean? When keepers of false peace, we're trying, to, we're trying to keep the monster down, so to speak. We're motivated by fear of conflict, fear of the outcome, fear of the, of the, of the issue, of dealing with the issue. But the peacemaker strives at every opportunity to bring peace, peace between others. They're not afraid of the conflict. They work to, to, to dissolve the dispute, to fix the problem so there's true peace. What happens in a lot of marriages? Well, I don't want to deal with that because I'm going to have to deal with the monster, so I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with my brother or sister at church because I don't want to deal with what's going to happen. That's false peace. Real peace is, hey, I got a problem with you. Here's where my problem is. We've got to solve this. And when we come to a meeting of the minds, now we have real peace. Real peace. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be the sons of God. They'll be the children of God. Verse 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Persecuted here means to endure suffering for Christ, to be mocked, ridiculed, criticized, ostracized, to be treated with hostility and martyred. This person who lives and speaks for righteousness and for Christ is reacted against. We're forewarned we're going to have persecution. We're going to have family and friends that may not understand our stance for Christ, co-workers and so forth. We are supposed to expect it, but how do we deal with that, right? So we're, we're, ours is the kingdom of God. We're not called to retaliate. We're not called to lash out. We are blessed for this. Ours is the kingdom of God. And so verse 12 in closing, how do I answer this persecution? Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Wow. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So what's our attitude supposed to be? It's not supposed to be pride. It's not supposed to be retaliation. It's not supposed to be getting even. Our, our response is joy and gladness. God says when they persecute you, don't go lick your wounds and say, woe is me. Go home rejoicing. Rejoice, 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 because we are counted in the same boat as Jesus Christ. Be exceedingly glad. Hallelujah. To be full of cheer. Amen. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and I'm going to give you some time uh, as I finish this 